Hello and welcome to the Baseball Wisconsin podcast. I am your host, Tim Kotzler. Well, we've made it to game two. Leading off in game two in the first inning is head baseball coach at Burlington High School, Scott Stoudy. Now, Burlington baseball has had quite the run the past four seasons. They were Southern Lakes champs all four years. They made it to Appleton four consecutive years. They were able to hoist up the state championship trophy in 2016. Now in this episode, Stoudy unpacks his journey as a player, as a Jefferson Eagle, and then a Warhawk at Whitewater, and his early days in coaching and taking over the Burlington program at a young age. Really goes through the lessons he learned as a young coach, um, all the professional development that he's done. And if you know Stoudy, and if you've coached against him, he's all passion, he's all heart, wears his heart on his sleeve. His team's play hard. They're scrappy, and man, are they a tough, tough game. Really appreciate Coach Stoudy for taking the time to sit down with me today. And just a reminder to subscribe and share as we launch the second game here of the Baseball Wisconsin podcast. Without further ado, head baseball coach at Burlington High School, Scott Stoudy. Hey, Coach, how you doing today? I'm great, Coach. Scott, how are you? (laughs) Doing great, man. Hey, well... Um, tell us about your baseball background, kind of where'd you grow up, uh, what's your playing career, um, everything else. So where, where to get started? So I grew up in Jefferson, Wisconsin, a baseball hotbed. Um, that produces the greats like uh, Greg Featherston. You've heard of him, right? <laughs> um, grew up in Jefferson, Wisconsin, graduated in 1991, uh, went on to play uh, college baseball at UW-Whitewater, uh, finished my career there in 1996, um, Taught for a couple of years in, uh, in Cudahy, and then a, a head coaching job opened up in uh, Burlington, Wisconsin. So I uh, started my coaching career in uh, 1999 when I was 25 years old. Well, I, got, I got to back up here. All right, I need to know about you as a player. All right, so you, you as a Warhawk, give me uh, what type of player were you? Give me the scouting report on you. So uh, my freshman year, um, I batted five times and, uh, <laughs> and I think I was one for five, but I was one of the, probably I was all conference honorable mention, uh, foul ball chaser. So if there was anybody that needed to get a foul ball, that was me. A uh, funny story. We're down in Florida on the spring trip. We had a, we had a really good team. We had a, it, it was a, a couple of years after Madison disbanded and lost their uh, college baseball team. So we had a few transfers transfer from Madison to the Whitewater. So I knew I wasn't going to play much. It was really fine. So we're in Florida, and there's no way. We're playing this really good D2 team, and there's no way I'm going to get up that bad, right? So I chased the foul ball because as soon as we had Coach Miller from Whitewater was the head coach, and every time there'd be a foul ball, he'd be like, all right, someone on that, which I think is pretty hilarious because that's what we say now, right, <laughs> as coaches. <laughs> someone on that foul ball. So I run and chase it, and there's a uh, – there's a pond behind the, the dugout where the ball went. So I went to go grab the ball and I saw these uh, frogs jumping. All right. So I'm like, Oh, this would be great. I'm going to capture some frogs and I'm going to take them in the dugout. I'm going to put them in someone's bag. I'm going to put in someone's glove. It's going to be great. So I'm trying to catch these frogs. And uh, long story short, I come back to the dugout and Mill says to me like, where the hell were you? I said, well, I was, I was going to follow a ball. He's like, I was going to pinch hit for you. I was going to pinch hit you, but you were gone. So I didn't pinch hit you. So 
I could have had six at bats instead of five. So, <laughs> so that was my freshman year. Sophomore year, I ended up being the starting center fielder um, for my sophomore year, uh, junior year, and then uh, we had a couple injuries my senior year, so I ended up playing first base um, my senior year, which. Uh, another funny story, a uh, first baseman got hurt um, early in the year at, at Carthage and uh, coach was like, all right, who can play first base? Because we didn't have a reserve first base because he was back home taking a test. Who can play first base? And no one, no one said anything. You trying to tell me no one can play first base? So I raised my hand. I said, well, how tough is first base? Yeah, I played first base, whatever. So started playing first base, kind of stuck, worked out great. Um, and, you know, coincidentally, I had my best year hitting that year, and uh, it was a fun way to go out. I didn't realize how much fun uh, first base was. You know, you could talk to the, to the runner. You got to talk to the first base coach. You talked to the umpire. Then I'd run every – like every other batter, I'd run and start talking to the pitcher. You know, hey, you got to calm down a little bit. You got to settle down a little bit. And finally, they would just, like, give me the hand and, like, stay over there. I got it, right? <laughs> so that was good. It was fun. I wouldn't trade anything in the world for it. So you get done playing, you get into coaching, um, and you say you were the head coach in 99 at age 25? Yep. yep. Tell, me, so tell, tell, us about that, tell us about that first year as head coach. I mean, if you can go back to that time, what, what did you think you knew that you had no idea what you were getting into? Uh, first of all, I was a horrible coach. <laughs> you know, I, you think you're a good coach, but I had all this energy. And I had all this idea, all these ideas and drive and um, it, it, where are we going and direction. And I inherited, uh, Burlington was a little different then because they, they were always spring. And then for two years, they switched conferences and then they became summer. So we had, we didn't have great numbers. And, you know, that's kind of why the, the head baseball coach left is because he's like, well, I used to have some pretty good athletes here now they're choosing not to play because a they're playing Legion ball or they're like graduating and saying, why would I want to play high school ball? Just, it wasn't a good fit for Burlington at that time. So 1999, I get there. I also coached JV basketball then. So I knew a bunch of the kids and I really had, we, we had a really, you know, I had a nice coaching staff, some younger guys. And I still remember that first practice. We didn't have a field ready to go. So we're on the football field you know, old grass football field probably hasn't been maintained in seven months because after football season, we're running bases out there, you know, and we're just working them hard. And I said to the kids, I'm like, all right, they're dying. They're running. They're probably like, this is, this is not baseball. This is horrible. So I said to them, I said, we could stop now or we can get back and we can run one more for a piece of the conference championship. All right. <laughs> Who's with me? And I had these seen I had three seniors, you know, they're like, ah, oh, let's go. They get on the line and we start running bases. We have a great first practice. I'm like, all right, this is good. Yeah, that was about the best part of the season. We finished up with three and twenty-one. <laughs> but oh. it was uh, it was a it was a pretty good league and uh, you know, we weren't very deep, but it was uh, some good memories. So then you did two seasons in the summer? We did. We did two seasons this summer. So my, so my first, um, my first summer, we were just trying to get enough kids to to fill the varsity and the JV. And then second year, we were begging kids uh, to come out just to have a freshman team. So I remember going in the weight room. And I'm like, Hey, Danny, you play baseball? He's like, 
I played in third grade. I'm like, we'll take you. <laughs> Come on out. So we begged him. We got numbers. You know, and we laugh about it now, but I really think back that that was kind of a turning point because you have to start somewhere, right? You have to start building numbers somewhere. And I think about, like, college football teams and, you know, how they're trying to build depth and how long that takes. And that was a big part of it. So we go two years of summer ball. Uh, we eventually come back to spring, um, which was really good for us. And, and these things started to change. So I think 2003, so it my fourth year, we – we finished 10 and 11 and we lost seven games by one run. So like we were that close. We had it, you know, we were so close. And then in 2004, um, we had a really strong senior class and then we ended up winning you know, a conference championship. And um, yeah, it was great. I mean, you, you felt like we won the world series. It was just a, an amazing feeling for our staff and, and those kids too, because they were probably, you know, eighth graders at the time. And, you know, probably didn't think much about baseball, but liked it. And, it was a definitely a culture change. Oh, those early years. So, like, who are you dipping into as coaching mentors? Are you talking to Coach Mill? Like, who, you know, who are you reaching out to in those lean years? Oh, my God. I, I went to every clinic possible. You know, I went to state clinics. I went to the ABCA. Um, I'm talking to my college coach. I'm talking to my high school coach. I'm asking, like, I'm sure I was annoying, you know, um, you know, uh, other teams, you know, coaches, you know, rivals, you know, just trying to pick their brains a little bit. I'm not looking for like intimate secrets of how they do things, but I was just like, we got to get better. And I love it, but we can't still, can't continue to be three and 21 every year. So, um, and I, I read a lot, read a lot of books. Um, you know, there wasn't podcasts back then, uh, but it was just a, it was fun. I mean, I, I stumbled across a filing cabinet from, you know, 20 years ago and I, I had just like books of notes and drills and, you know, comments on drills. And it was a, it was a lot of, a uh, lot of prep, a lot of homework. Yeah. You mentioned a few guys, like I'd like to, I know it's the old sports talk radio question, but like, you know, you're kind of Mount Rushmore of coaching influences. And I'd like you to go through those guys and I'll pick three or four and maybe the lessons that you learned from them along the way. Well, Tim, I expected you asked a question like this. I mean, you are the Bob Costas of podcasts. So, um, I got you on this one. So Mount Rushmore. So my personal Mount Rushmore, um, I'll start with my high school coach. His name is Bob, Bob's wife from Jefferson. He's a Hall of Famer. He was a, a JV coach for 20 plus years. All right. Biology teacher for 45 years. He never wanted to go anywhere else to be a head coach. He just waited his time, waited his time. Ended up being a head coach after like 23 or 24 years. And ended up being the varsity baseball coach. <clears throat> coach Weifel, in terms of um, drills and technique and stuff, I didn't learn a lot from him, or at least I don't remember learning all of those things. Of course, you know, he worked on, like, mechanic changes and stuff. But I don't remember our practices being, you know, breakdown of your swings, uh, which is a fine. It, it was, looking back, I'm like, sometimes it's, you know, paralysis by analysis. But um, I remember – we'd have 25 baseballs in our bag for practice and he numbered them one through 25. And if you didn't, we, we didn't, if we didn't have number 17, all right, he'd stop practice at the end. Everybody thought that they were getting in their car and leaving. They'd be like, hang on, we're missing number 17. We're not going home until we find number 17. So we'd look all over that park. And I tell you that story because 
he just taught me about discipline and consistency and just uh, the commitment to the team. And I never really thought that he was such a great mentor until you get a little bit older and you appreciate it. And you're like, Oh yeah, I do some of those same things, right? We're going to, we're going to clean up the field after we're no one's leaving until everyone's leaving at the same time. Um, we're going to you know, push each other and help each other. Uh, and Bob's wife was just a, a model, model citizen. He's still a model person. I still talk to him you know, on a yearly basis. And um, yeah, he's a quality, quality person. And it's a really, really good baseball coach. Um, Jim Miller I mentioned earlier, um, he was the whitewater coach. Um, and what I learned from Mills is how important relationships are. You know, the, the, the it's great to, to know all these drills and mechanics and know baseball. And we know there's a lot of people out there like that, but if you can't, if you can't get in touch with the other human spirit and somehow affect them and get them to change a little bit or get them to try new things, um, you're going to fail or at least not get the max the potential. And Mills was great at that. He was also an excellent fundraiser and we know how, that, how important that is in high school baseball. Um, can I, can I pause there? So like, yeah, I've heard that before about coach Miller, you know, and I, I, I've heard that from a few people now and the guys that played for him, they love him. And you know, it speaks so highly of him. Like, relationships like did he how did he manufacture those things would he bring guys into the office would he catch you at practice would he catch you you know I mean how did how did he work that into who he was and who he was as a coach yeah so Tim he, at the time I didn't really realize it. I thought he was just kind of really really friendly or kind of goofy or whatever but looking back it was all part of his plan and strategy it was it was I'm gonna take time out of practice to go over and ask you how your day was or I'm going to see you in the weight room and I'm going to say, you know, are you still dating so-and-so? Or I'm going to say, do you believe that Packer game last night? You know, it's little things like that. So he, it, it really is genius, honestly. I mean, and, and I don't know if he meant to do it or not, but it was, he made a point to do that to a large number of people every single day. And I don't know if he had a checklist and said, I'm going to make sure I hit everybody in the week, but he sure did. And we laugh about it. We have great stories about Mills, but really, really cared about his players and made a point to try to uh, talk to them, you know, as frequently as he could. Yeah. So, um, so I had the privilege of uh, going over to Europe last year uh, with the godfather of uh, Wisconsin baseball, Mark Fuller, and uh, the whitewater coach, John Bolich. And I just, I have a, I have a tremendous respect. I'm on respect for Mark Fuller. Um, his commitment and his love for baseball in this state um, is, is very well known in the coaching community, but I just, I watched the way he coached and taught. And I mean, the guy's like 108 years old, right? I mean, he's, he's old. Hey, he's old. 100, 108 seems in a baseball. I mean, it makes a lot of sense, right? It's right. He's always 108. Right. So he's uh, no, he just has a great passion and love of the game. And the guy, he's he's ageless. Yeah. But what I love about Mark is he's he's always willing to learn. You know, he's been around the game for a long time, but uh, he's not he's not too high on himself to think that I've already seen that before. You know, he's still at, he's still he runs our clinics. He runs the state clinics. He gets the speakers. Uh, he's still taking notes. Uh, what guys say. And so now he's helping out Whitewater. Um, he does a wonderful job. I mean, I, I don't know where our state association would be without Mark Fuller. 
And when you talk to people from other states, but even in other countries, and they talk about Mark Fuller, there's a lot of high praise. So, um, and I think my last one, um, who was was hot on the uh, on the the coaching um, clinic trail, was probably Gordy Gillespie. Um, Are you familiar with Gordy Gillespie? I am. I uh, so his last couple years coaching, he was at St. Francis in Juliet, and uh, I played in that same conference. So I played at Cardinal Stritch and. NAI ball. We went down there and I mean, Gordy got the best of us a lot. In those days he was sat in the chair and didn't, didn't do a ton because the talent was just so much better. But I, I know Gordy, my cousin went and played for him at St. Francis as well. But I, tell, I, me your, tell me your, your, your interactions with Gordy. You know, I just, I've only talked to him one-on-one a couple times, but you know, to listen to him speak and address a crowd and, and as a coach, um, I got excited like I was going to go play for him. I couldn't imagine what it was like to play for him because it wasn't fake. I mean, it was a lot of energy and passion and love. Um, and it was genuine. And I, I, I think I taken, I try to take some things from Gordy um, just by the way. I mean, he taught, he coached into his eighties, right? He was an amazing coaching figure. He's got some of the most wins of all time. Um, but I don't know if anyone can love the game of baseball and love teaching as much as Gordy Gillespie. And that was a, that was an early on indication. Like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I want to be like that. I think that's something that, I mean, guys that have played against you guys that know you on the other side of the diamond, they would say, you know, your energy, you know, you bring that passion. Like where does that passion come from, from you to, to stand at the third base coaching box and that just to bring the kind of, as Brian Kane would say, bring the juice every day. <laughs> Well, it's, it's ADHD, non-medicated, right? It's, uh, it's, it's just, you know, bouncing off the walls. And, um, yeah, I, I always thought about baseball and I was a multi-sport guy, you know, and, and why can't baseball like be like other sports, you know, and have a lot of energy and a lot of fire and a lot of enthusiasm. And, um, I, I always get a kick out of like little kids and, you know, I watch little league games or, I coach both my girls' softball teams, and I watch the, you know, them, and there's just a lot of standing around. And, and then I watch some – I mean, actually, on the flip side, I watch some of the girls' softball, and the girls' softball girls are – they're cheering, and they got their little chants going. And not that baseball has to do that, but have some fun, right? I mean, that's, it's a, you want to be – it's a game. You want to have fun out there. Um, and sometimes, honestly, I feel like, especially in coaching high school kids, you know, they've had long days. You know, they can't bring the energy all the time. Sometimes it's up to us to kind of juice them up a little bit. So, um, yeah. I'd love to hear more about you coaching your girls in softball. Like, what things have you learned from coaching your own kids and also from coaching softball that have made you maybe a better baseball coach? That's a great question. So, I love coaching my daughters, and they are not the star athletes at all, um, but I love coaching them. I love working with them. In fact, there's times, sometimes I'm like, I like coaching softball more than baseball. It's just that enjoyable. Girls are a little different, right, because um, they usually will do whatever you ask. They can't always perform it as easily as boys, you know, not everyone, but, you know, for the girls that I've worked with, but they will, they will do whatever you ask. If you say, let's make an adjustment with your hands, boom, they will try it. They won't question it. Um, <clears throat> now, it's not always that way with your own kids, but it's definitely the, the, the indication I got for years of coaching the girls softball. Um, I, I just, I really love coaching 
and I'm quite honestly, I am bored when I'm not coaching or not staying busy that way. So um, if, if I'm not coaching in the fall, we're trying to do something with our softball team and trying to have a little scrimmage or we're trying to work on some hitting stuff or speed agility stuff. So um, yeah, it's fun. It's enjoyable. And in fact, if anything, not X's and O's, it's really about back to coach Miller about relationships, you know, talking to kids, boys or girls, and then realizing, oh yeah, now they're talking about, I tell you what's key, Tim, is as we get older, we have to keep up with technology and all the things the kids have, right? So I've got a, a senior and a sophomore daughter, and they, 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 they teach me about Snapchat, and they teach me about, you know, the Twitter, and they teach me social media things, and, um, you know, TikTok, and all those things, and it's great because I can relate to my high school players because of what they've told me. Um, you know, as a teacher, you get a little bit of that, but you don't get the full Monty, so to speak. So yeah, I think there's some, some great connections you can have with coaching both. And you could do the same thing if you're just coaching you know, youth basketball, you know? You know, you mentioned, uh, you, you know, your role as a teacher. So tell us more about what do you teach, what grade, and, and kind of how does that, how does that help you? How does that translate to coaching for you? So for over 20 years, I was a fifth grade teacher, and I love fifth grade. Um, two years ago, I moved to seventh grade because it was a little bit easier on the schedule of a coach, um, at least with the high school matching up. <clears throat> so I'm a seventh grade math teacher right now. Um, I really like both levels. Um, I think the, the, the great thing about being a teacher while being a coach is that a schedule and routine and um, – you know, just a plan that like as a teacher, a good teacher, you have to plan, right? You got to be ahead of the game. You got to be thinking about the next step. You got to be thinking about not only next hour, you got to be thinking about tomorrow and then Friday, you know, same thing as a coach, right? You have to be on top of it. And if you're going day by day all the time, it eventually catches up to you. So um, I think teaching is helping me besides relationships, obviously, um, but teaching has really helped me with coaching in that regard. Well, no, even being a math guy, does that play a role in how you see baseball? Are you more of a numbers data guy than maybe someone who's not a math teacher? Does that, you think that influences how you do certain things on the field? Uh, I would say no. I'm more of a field guy. You know, I think there's, there's a lot of analytics right now. When it comes to major league baseball, I understand them as a math guy. I mean, I understand why they do that. I don't know if we need to get into it that so much in, in high school baseball, you know, maybe a little bit. I think there's some, there's definitely a, some room for it. Um, but I think if you, if it's a numbers guy, if a math guy, if you are so involved in it and overtaken with it, you miss out on so many other things uh, with coaching. Gotcha. Well, Hey, well, let's bring it back to Burlington baseball. So, I mean, like, I want to see the whole scope. I want to hear how does a kid in Burlington start playing baseball how do they make it up to you? Like, what are the different levels and what's your connection to those levels? So Burlington's always had a really, really strong little league program. And what, even when I got there, I got there at 20, you know, 25 years old. It was, you know, the next year I was on the little league board and it was, it was kind of challenging because I thought that people at communities around us were starting the travel leagues and they were doing all these things that, that I thought would make us better. Um, Burlington kind of stuck the, stuck to the course, and I'm, I'm really glad they did because the numbers we have are really, really strong. 
if you have just travel league teams without a rack program, without a little league program, without something else, um, you're going to lose out on a lot of fourth, fifth, sixth graders because they have to make a decision really early. Um, so we have a strong little league program. On top of that, they have a, um, a travel team at each age level. So they'll play Burlington Little League with their, their local team, and then they'll take all the best 12-year-olds, and they'll play weekend tournaments. And so a little, little bit of both. Now, there's some kids that, you know, go to academies and do that at a younger age, but for the most part, they stick with that. Um, and as I get older, I really appreciate how – you know, obviously the history with Little League, and I understand that everybody played, not every community plays Little League anymore, but just the, just the commitment that it takes to run that in a community and be successful with it. And then when those kids get a chance and they go to state, and then when they get a chance to go to Indianapolis, and then there's a small chance that maybe they can get to, to the Little League World Series. Um, it's pretty exciting for a community. So Burlington's, you know, about 10,000 people. Um, so we're not huge, but we still have pretty decent numbers. Um, so then after Little League, um, we've got uh, – so through the Little League, there's kind of a rec program. We've started some Junior Demons, 13U, 14U, um, and a lot of our really diehard baseball guys, usually by 13, will be like, okay, I'm going to try hitters, I'm going to try sticks, I'm going to try prospects. Um, but not everybody, but a, a large group of them. And then what I try to do with the Junior Demons program is I, I oversee it. I don't control, but I kind of I'm, I'm on the board. Um, I help out with tryouts. But then I just kind of let, you know, some, some dads, if we can't get other, you know, older players to do it, uh, former alumni to do it, we usually dads do it. And then, you know, we kind of get them pointing in the right direction and tell them what we want from them and have the kids play, play some games and have fun. And, and then by the time they get to a freshman, they're with us. So it all falls to the high school, you know, um, and obviously, I know there's another, you know, Burlington Catholics in town and, you know, but um, they get to the high school. So you got three levels, right? You get your first your JV1, your JV2. Um, do, do you guys call it a JV2? Do you call it a freshman? What does it look like in Burlington? So Tim, we call it a JV2. And the nice thing about calling it a JV2 is that it allows you to obviously move sophomores down. Um, and that's good. That's a great way to keep more numbers. Um, our conference adopted that a few years ago, and I think it was a great move. So we have a JV2, JV1, and then a varsity. So typically our numbers for trying out is anywhere from 50 to 60. Um, you know, even like eight years ago, we probably had 70, 75 kids try out for three teams. But it's kind of, you know, windled down a little bit, um, which is understandable. You know, kids at one point, they kind of see what they want to do and they change their mind. But uh, we still have cuts. Uh, our numbers are still solid. And we have that flexibility, the JV1 and JV2, moving kids both levels. And keep them in the program as long as we can. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I, I'm glad to hear that other conferences have gone that route. I think it just makes a chance to play more games, but also the flexibility with kids and pitching and, you know, skill levels and everything else. So since you are a program that has to make cuts, um, which is a lot of the you know, case with a lot of Division One schools in our state, how do you structure your tryouts? What is the format? You know, do you give it – X amount of days, do you guys try to inter-squad? Do you um, try out with different levels together? What does it look like at Burlington? So, you know, we, we never really get to an inter-squad, or at least not right away, because typically we're in middle of March, right? We're usually starting March 17th. This is just going to be different with an April you know, 19th start date. Um, so we do something that's been a tradition we've done for at least 15 years. We do something the first week called Heck Week. Heck week, you know, I don't want to say hell week. So heck week. <laughs> and 
we do two a days. So uh, we come in the mornings, we start at 6 a.m., everybody comes in. So morning practice, afternoon, we do that the whole first week. Uh, so we do that Monday through Thursday, two a days. Everybody practices together. Uh, like we're always in the gym. You know, typically, you know, there might be sometimes we can go in the parking lots or maybe we can go to fly balls in the grass, but we're not ready for that. And quite honestly, if we have, we have a lot of space inside, so we can get a lot done that way. Um, we, work, we work them hard. You know, we condition. Um, a lot of times after day one, like you, you don't have to make cuts because the kid will cut himself, right? He'll just say, eh, baseball's not for me, which is fine. Mm-hmm. So that's the first four days, two days. Friday morning, we have our last morning practice. Um, it's usually there's a little bit of conditioning, maybe a bunting drill, some relay race stuff. It's, it's kind of a fun morning. Um, we bring in uh, donuts and juice at the end, and kids are all excited, and we break it down, and there's a, just a great vibe. Um, so that's Friday morning. And typically by cuts, if we have cuts, it'll be by that time. Um, if there's, there's borderline kids, we'll hopefully get to a, uh, an inter-squad game on a Saturday and then try to extend it out. But it's a really great week. Hack week is great. Uh, you're exhausted by the end, but it's a, it's a great team bonding experience. And uh, the kids just know it, right? Because they, they, we've been doing it. So they just – no one complains about it. It's just what it is. It's how demon baseball is. All right. So then you get your teams. Obviously, you get to that first week. You know, you got a game potentially the following Tuesday, that opening day, you know, if weather cooperates or whatever. But, um, okay, so now we're into our season, right? Like two-a-days in the first week, I think that's something that makes your program unique. You know, what other things do you guys have that makes demon baseball unique? You know, what, what other things do you have built in um, as well? So it's really challenging. As you know, Tim, like once your season gets going, that – you can easily say varsity's here, JV1's here, JV2's here, and you play on the same nights, and it's really hard to see those younger, lower levels play. Um, we really try on a Wednesday, because typically we don't have Wednesday games, we really try to all practice together on Wednesdays. Um, it's really twofold. A, <clears throat> we get to see the kids. B, we have um, coaches, we'll have 10 coaches with that many kids. We almost run it like a, a camp or a, a college atmosphere where there's some stations, rotation. It could be uh, position specific. Uh, it could be some pitchers work with everybody. And you also see the younger guys work with the older guys. And, and there's no better feeling, I don't think, than seeing a shortstop who's a senior and a freshman together and the freshman kind of boots the ball on a ground ball and the seniors right behind him say, no, no, you gotta, you gotta drop step here. You gotta get your hands out. You gotta get a flat back. And um, it's really good. It's good for our program. It's, it's uh, that's kind of our Wednesday together day. Um, and it doesn't always happen that way, obviously, because you know, we have reschedules and stuff. So uh, that's, that's kind of unique to us. We try to keep that going just because I want to see the younger kids. I really do. Now, when you're in that format and I can just picture that format, you know, you get 45, 50 guys, 10 coaches, stations everywhere. Got to keep moving. Like, where do you go on those days? Do you, do you take a station guys rotate to you? Do you try to bounce around for those touch points? Like, like coach Mills would, you know, what, what's, what is he, what do you look like on that, on that Wednesday? So usually, we usually start off with like a, <clears throat> it's a lot of defense because you can't do a ton of hitting stuff with that many guys. So 
Uh, we'll do some defensive drill series and we kind of rotate where, you know, every position is doing something a little bit different. Um, and a lot of times I, I'll sit and I'll do, maybe I'll do middle infield DPs up the middle. Um, but then if I have enough coaches, I'll do exactly what you just said. I'll kind of walk around and I'll jump in line. I'll bring my glove with me and I'll, you know, I'll take ground balls. You know, I'll work on run-throughs right third baseman trying to throw it up the line and I won't be able to lift my arm for two weeks. But <laughs> it's fun. It's, it's a good way to kind of, like you said, kind of bounce around and kind of touch base. All right, so we got to two days. We got the Wednesday together time. What else? What else do you guys do that isn't just unique to you guys, but you think maybe is a separator in your program that you've that you've done over the years? So I, I think it's a it's really important if you want to learn something or get better at something, you need to teach that, right? So. I think what we try to do is we try to run one or two youth camps in season with younger kids. So we will have our coaches and our players run the youth camp and they'll come on in and it's, it's controlled chaos. It's crazy. It's crazy. You know, you got little kids with, with bats and like, like weapons and swords. It's a lot of kids, but it teaches our players in our program that, you know, to try to talk to the kids and try to teach the kids. And, you know, we're talking about grip and just like the things we're telling our kids, which they may know, they're trying to teach the younger kids. So, you know, once again, it comes back to it's, it helps the younger kid, but it really helps our older kid. And we, we try to say, you know, that, that was, that was you not too long ago, right? That was you wanting to be in this position. And now you have a chance to make a difference for that kid. So we'll do that. And then, um, Later in the year, then we'll do a, you know, a little league night or a youth night. And then the kid remembers the, the, the varsity player and gets to go on the field with them. It's, it's a, it's a really great experience. Unfortunately, sometimes with our season going flying by so fast and makeups, you can't always do that, but that's always the goal. That's the goal to have that in place throughout the year. You guys shoot for like a Saturday morning. You're like what, how do you typically build that in? Yeah, it's a Saturday morning. We've done a Sunday before in the afternoon um and it's not a you know it's kind of a fundraiser i guess you know we, we don't charge a lot we might charge 20 bucks for two and a half three hours um but you know we try to give them a lot of instruction they keep them moving um yeah and it's it's good i mean you're sometimes to be honest with you it's kind of the last thing you feel like doing if you've had a six games that week and you haven't seen your family and it's uh, you know, a lot of stuff you're really worried about your pitching staff and how much you'd rather just work with your pitchers but it's really important i think uh to not only give back a little bit to the community but also like i said earlier just have our kids you know touch base with the younger hopeful future demons now i have to talk about your varsity team Okay. I, I mean, you, you know, the numbers better than I do. Right. And I don't know. You, you don't need to rattle them off. You're too- are you going to, are you going to bring up three and 21 again? <laughs> so bring up three and 21 again, 1999. Well, I keep feeling like you're more like 21 and three these days. All right. So, so the transitions happened. You guys are, it seems like at the state tournament every year, you get a run of college players coming out of your program, state championships. I mean, like what's 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 been going on? What what's been the what's been the change that's brought you guys from you know this three and twenty one to ten and eleven to you know sectional finals to state tournaments? What's 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 been happening? I think it's a lot of things. Um, luck's a big part of it. Um, you know, just be able to stick with it. Um, 
we, we, we try to, we have a very large coaching staff. I think we've talked about this for Tim. We've got, you know, we try to have at least two to three coaches per team um, just so they can teach coach, um, break things down. Um, so we have good coaches, but they're even better people. You know, they all have families and they all coach their own kids, but yet they're, it's important for them to be part of what we're doing. So having a great coaching staff is a big part of that. Um, you know, just winning's contagious. I mean, we, we've won a lot of games where we weren't better than that team, but our kids thought that they were better than them or thought that they had a chance and then things work out and you get that opportunity and, and then it, you know, ball bounces your way and you might win two to one and you might make it the sectionals. So um, we've had a good run. Last four years, we went to, uh, we made the state. Um, and, and it's just, a, it's such a unique experience that I, I really hope everybody gets a chance to do in Appleton. It's, it's just amazing. And we, we've won one state championship. And quite frankly, we we're pretty fortunate to do that. We were down four to nothing against Arrowhead in 2016. And we scored the last six runs of the game and won six to four and upset a really, really good Arrowhead team. So, um, yeah, we're, we know we're pretty fortunate. I, I know, I personally know that um, it's not always going to be like this. So you better soak it up and you better, you know, you better appreciate it because, um, you know, you can usually have a pretty rough year the next year. So four straight years in Appleton, right? I mean, like you said, guys, and that's, it's really honorable for you to say that, you know, everyone should have that chance because there's guys that work their whole careers, they put in decades and they just, you know, would like to just get a chance to, to do it. So to say how appreciative you are to bring guys, to bring a team there and to have that experience just says a lot about your character. Um, I feel like you get that 8 a.m. draw. Did you get it all four years? Yeah, we got two out of four. Two, two out, out of four. Of okay. So how do you prepare your team for an 8 a.m. first pitch in Appleton? So in 2017, um, I did not do a very good job of that. <laughs> so in 2017, we had the 8 o'clock game, um, and we played um, we played Arrowhead, actually. So we had as a rematch of the state championship from the year before. Um, and I honestly, we had a good team, but we weren't as good as we were the year before. Um, but we, you know, we were on a roll. We, you know, I think we were 21 and 5, and um, – uh, we, had, we had some nice pieces. We had a, a young sophomore pitcher by the name of Trey Krause um, who, who started that state game for us. <clears throat> but the reason I say I didn't do a pretty good job is that, you know, we came up like we did the year before. So we're big into team meals the night before the game, um, you know, try to stay by the pool, stick together, early to bed, have some breakfast, go up to Appleton North, get some early BP, and then try to be at the field at 710. So that's a lot to get done before, you know, 710. So in 2017, we tried that at what we did in 2016. It was a horrible idea. We lost 11 to 1 and we were done in five innings. It was just, a, it just, nothing went well for us. Dropped the ball in right field. Uh, Trey Krause uh, didn't throw very well. We couldn't get a big hit. It was just, we got, we got steamrolled. Um, so fast forward to 2019, what did I learn from that? Well, I just don't think that we were our, – our bodies were ready. Our body clock was ready. So, uh, or 2019, the last time we played, we decided to have practice the day before we went up, um, you know, got up, and you had to be there at 7 o'clock. So, we got them up. They got there. They had breakfast before they came on their own. Got to the field, warmed up, 
We started practice a little before – or 7.30, just like you went on pregame before state. And we just tried to get our bodies, you know, into that whole mode. Kids went home, grabbed their stuff, showered up, jumped on the bus, went to Appleton. Went to Appleton, had afternoon practice, you know, yada, 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 team meal. And we played really well. We beat Green Bay Preble 3-1. to one. Um, And I think that was a big part of it. Is that the only reason? I don't know. I mean, if, if I do it next year or if I do it the next time I make it, it we may lose 11-1 to one again. But I definitely learned that we weren't ready in 2017 to play at 8 o'clock. So this is, I want to stay on this question for a while because, I mean, there's, there's one great answer about, like, you've been Appleton four times, all right? And there's got to be many lessons learned. And, you know, two of those four years you're playing the 8 a.m. game, getting up early, the internal clock, the body clock. What other lessons – have you taken away from those experience at Appleton? Like if you had to give advice to a coach that's going there for the first time, or what do you know in your coaching staff, you guys know to prepare every single time you go there? So uh, great question, Tim. That's, I, I like talking about this. This is fun. So one, I like to treat it like it's football or it's basketball. So we try to compile scouting reports. All right. So we try to break hitters and we have charts and it's nothing like football, but you feel like as the coaching staff, you're like, okay, we know Smith, the number two hitter is not going to pull the inside pitch, whatever it may be. Uh, so that's fun, right? The planning and the preparation is fun. Um, so that, that is really neat. Like, and whether you have scouting reports or not, you're trying to get in your kid's head that, okay, we need to be prepared for this, you know? So that's, that's always a one big thing that I, I, that I, if you could have the capability of calling other coaches and say, Hey, you know, can I get some numbers on these guys? Tell me a little bit about their number four hitter and so on and so forth. Um, the other thing is it's a big deal. Like make it a big deal, right? When you leave the bus, have parents and girlfriends and kids wave goodbye, you know, have the bus painting on the sign, their signs painting on the bus and, and make it a big experience because I don't care if you've been there four times in a row or never been there once in 25 years. It's new for that kid, right? So that may be, that's his only time. That's his state tournament appearance. So make it a big deal. And then when you get up to state, make it as fun as possible, but also business as usual. You know, so you're going to, you're going to have, you're going to have a little workout. You're going to practice. But you're also going to take the kids to the mall. You know, before we went to 2016, uh, before the championship game, we had to leave our hotel room at 11 a.m. We didn't play until uh, five o'clock. So what are you going to do? So we went to Appleton North and we hit and we had a light lunch. Then we decided to go go-karting and play mini golf. You know, and it totally took their minds off things, took my mind off things. But it was just like, it was so much fun. So you talk to those kids now, they're like, yeah, winning state was great. But remember we raced go-karts and Coach Horn got kicked out because he rammed us off the track? You know, stuff like that. They love, That's the stuff they remember. So I guess to answer your question, sorry, it's a little long-winded, but just no, it, it, the, the experience, make an experience go up an extra day, do all those things, because those are the things that you're going to remember. You may win, you may lose, you know, it's, it's a, lot of, a lot of it's under, not in your control when you get to that point. Uh, a lot of it is luck or draw, but if you can make it an experience, if you lose that game 11 to 1 at 8 in the morning, they'll still remember going to the Texas Roadhouse for the team meal and having Coach Donnie sit on the saddle and sing happy birthday to him, right? 
Now, I got to ask about the go-kart. Was that a spur-of-the-moment decision, or did, was that planned? So we talked about it the night before, and I said we just got to do something. I mean, we were, we were playing Arrowhead. They had, you know, they had all these uh, Division One players, and I just didn't want them thinking about stuff. So we just decided mm -hmm. we are going to do something different. We had some time. Um, yeah, and it worked out great. You know, if we would have – you know, we, here's the funny thing. You know, we give up four runs the first inning. So it wasn't a great idea after the first inning. <laughs> it's a great idea when you come back and win, but it's not a great idea then. So uh, it, was, it was fortunate that day. My last question about Appleton is for you. Like, how do you manage your emotions? I mean, you're jacked up. You're hyped up. You, you, you know how big this is. You know how rare this is. Like, how do you keep, how do you keep your emotions who you are and not get caught up in the moment? So I just try to stay busy and try to keep as much of a normal routine as possible. So like, then that's when it comes back to being a teacher and a schedule, right? So if you know that, okay, we got to be here by six o'clock and we got to be back in the rooms by eight 30 and we got to do a bed check by nine. It's just like, it gives you, you, you stay busy. You have a routine then, um, you know, and then you kind of sit back in your room at 10 o'clock and you start thinking about the game and you start getting a little anxious and, you know, you're worried about how's this going to happen and you hope the kids are get a good night's sleep. But um, you just, bottom line, you know, and I can say this now because we've been lucky to be there a few times, but it's still a game, right? It's still, it's still a game and we're a coach and we're not playing it so we can, you know, lead the horse to water and let's hope they drink and let's hope it, you know, turns out well. And sometimes it does and a lot of times it doesn't. Okay. So you talk about all the things you've learned over the years, you know, obviously you stick, you know, you, you get the binders and all the notes and all the clinics you've been to, like what's something you've learned recently. That's like challenged what you thought before. Maybe you thought, huh, I was wrong about that before, or you've done a 180 on something. Is there a part of the game, um, strategy, a skill development piece? Like what have you changed your mind on, um, recently? Well, it's two things. I think when you're a young coach, you just don't, you don't know enough. You know, you don't, you don't, you don't have that experience drawn. You can read all you want and you can watch all the baseball you want, but you just don't have that experience of being in there. So when you're young, you just make stupid mistakes because that's all you know, you know, and, and at the time they don't really seem like mistakes, but then you in retrospect, you look back and you're like, wow, that was, why did I do that? Um, one of the things is, I've learned to do a better job of delegating. You know, when you, when you first start coaching, you want to have your way, right? And I still have, I want to have it my way, but I do a much better job of delegating to my coaches and captains and so on and so forth. So that, I didn't do a very good job early on. Um, the other thing is from the pitching aspect, you know, I feel like every year something changes, right? It's, all right, you should use weighted balls. You shouldn't use weighted balls. You should throw in the off season. You should give them two months off. So I, I feel like that's always, always changing. Um, and I feel like I'm changing that way too, because I, I, pitching is not my expertise. Um, I want to be good at it. So you start jumping on these other you know, bandwagons of this is a great idea. So I feel like as a coach, I, I need to do a better job with the pitching aspect. And we have a really good pitching coach. Um, who does a lot of that too, but I feel like I'm doing a better job with arm care now. You know, I'm doing um, preseason arm care, a lot of the drive line things, the weighted ball stuff, um, 
the reverse action, all those things to try to get them prepared. Um, it's good for their arms. I agree with that. Um, it's also good for their psyche. Um, so I'm kind of learning that as well too. Um, but that's just a, it's a never ending internal battle with me. Now, I think you mentioned a few things before, but like you as a coach, like what do you, what do you know now that you wish you knew when you were 25 or even anywhere in the middle? Like are there some moments that changed you? How about that? Let's start there. Are there moments in your coaching career that changed who you are as a coach? Um, you're going to get me to cry now. Is that what this is about? No, no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> um, I think Tim, I think it's, so as, as a player of other sports and a guy with higher energy, um, sometimes can be bad in baseball, right? Your emotions get going. And I, I wish I would have given umpires <laughs> a little more credit um, when I was younger. Um, I, I do now. I, I don't even really yell at umpires. Um, we have a great, you know, banter back and forth of joking, but um, you know, I, I kind of wish I would eased up a little bit on them because as you get older, you realize, oh yeah, they're not major league umpires. You know, they're a gym teacher from the town next door, and you know they're getting paid thirty-five bucks an hour or thirty-five bucks for a game. Um, so that's that's a bit. I wish I would known that, but that just comes with maturity, you know. Um, and I I don't know. I I always feel like. I'm always changing and always trying to evolve. And that's what I love about the clinics. That's what I love about reading. Um, I have this book that um, it's called hitting the complete hitters guide faults and fixes. And I got it like my first year of, of coaching. And I, I found it the other day when I was going through my books and I was, I, I highlighted everything and I wrote little notes and I found it and was like, Oh yeah, well I should teach that again. You know, it was, a, it was a load concept or a hand placement concept. Um, so I think that's how baseball is. It's, it's cyclical, um, but you're always, you're always learning, right? You're always changing. Is, is there anything as a leader, like as, as a leader of young men that you've evolved into, that you've changed over the years? Um, I've done a much better job of allowing my senior leaders to lead. I think um, we talked about delegating before. Um, it's it's really their team. I think we have to let them have a big say in it. So we'll have we'll have captains practice where they decide what we're doing. They'll run it through me, and we go with it. Um, we'll have uh, team dinners that they want to run, you know, once every couple of weeks um, to try to let them lead because there's there's got to be buy-in, obviously, from them. Um, and I think I've learned as as a leader. You have to let other people lead. You got me? Sorry. Cut off for a second. Um, yeah, you're good. We got you. Oh, good. Oh, awesome. Um, well, I want to stick out one more question. I got one more question for you. And take this as long as you want. But it sounds like you've, you've always kind of been wired as a continuous learner, especially on the baseball side. You know, you, you just have this, like, insatiable hunger to to just find out what else is out there and not 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 because you're riding the bandwagon but you just want to make sure you've kind of uncovered all, all all the stones right so if you had to like recommend a book or a video or a podcast like what would you recommend to a coach i would recommend my favorite baseball book in the whole world is the mental game of baseball by h.a dorfman 
there's been a few different editions. I think this is the third edition, but that was one of the first baseball books I had. Um, and it, it really puts, puts things in perspective. I actually read it again a couple of years ago and it really applies to today too. It's just a, the mental game of baseball. It's great. Really good. So I, I love that. I talked about that hitting book that I just blew the dust off the other day and found it again. I thought that was excellent as well too. Um, as far as podcasts going, the ABCA podcasts are amazing. I mean, if you can't, I listened to one the other day with Tim Corbin from Vanderbilt University. And what a story that is. I mean, if it, you know, he took over a team, Vanderbilt, that wasn't very good in 2003 and turned him into a national powerhouse. And um, he's a humble and he's a, he's a really good teacher. And um, we had, the, you know, we were fortunate to listen to him a couple of years ago at the ABCA, but um, his, his podcast was great. But any of those ABCA podcasts are excellent. You just, you just pick, learn so much. I know you're a big fan of the podcast and there's just a, you know, it's just an amazing way to, to pick up some quick tips and, and, and also to re-energize. You hear it and you're like, oh yeah, let's do that again. Let's go. Um, and then my all-time favorite podcast is uh, the Baseball Wisconsin podcast by Tim Gotzler. It's my favorite one. Well, like, we, we appreciate you being a guest. You know, you, there's, there's high company, high company that says yes to this thing, you know. But <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, what, give us some last piece of advice. Give us, give us some advice, you know, for coaches, uh, new coaches, veteran coaches. Like, give us some parting shots. Oh, well. All right. Uh, that's what Bob Costas always does at the end too. Yeah. Let's, let's finish with a tough question. Um, so I think this is my 20, 22nd year, 23rd year, 22nd year. Um, and it feels like yesterday was my first year. So if you've been around for a while, you know, you just have to enjoy the ride. You know that it's not going to be smooth sailing, uh, but it, have fun with it. I feel like coaching makes me young. I feel like it, it gets, it makes me want to go to school. You know, it's it just like if you're a kid who doesn't really like school that much and you got your sports that gets you going. I love school because I love to teach, but it just keeps me going, you know, and um, I got to find that passion and energy to keep you going. Next year's a new year. Um, and it's, it's exciting to know that, you know, you may have a great year. You may have a good year. You may have an average year, but it's their year, all right, and it's really important to them, you know. So it may not go the way you think it will, but it has to be enjoyable for them. It has to be important to them. And there it is. Huge thank you goes out to Coach Stoudy for taking time to sit down with us today. Now, on a personal note, a few years back, uh, we played against Burlington, end of the season non-conference game. Both teams are getting tuned up for the playoffs, and we never played before. So they came to our park and we played an epic extra game, two good teams. And, you know, as the game was going on, I was just so impressed of the Burlington baseball brand. So naturally after the game, um, I stopped Coach Stoudy. We talked about our teams and started to just, you know, ins and outs inside of our program. And I was really impressed, like I said, with just the amount of detail and the effort and the energy. And it starts with him. And he's too humble of a guy to, to admit that and take the accolades. Um, but I've just been so impressed with this program. And to me, it's no shocker that he's had the success that he has. 
Um, so again, huge thank you to the listeners today, to Coach Stoudy for taking the time. And we hope you tune in next week as we make a trip a little bit north, um, make a stop off in one of the Division II powers of our state at one of the most gorgeous facilities in the state of Wisconsin at an all-turf field. Until then, have a great rest of your day.